You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Socially Distanced with Paxton and Justin. Uh, how's it going today, man? Uh, it's going all right. Busy. Doing a guest lecture uh, over Zoom tonight, which I still have to prep for, which is uh, a thing I shouldn't have agreed to, but I'm doing it. So, <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, we all, we all react differently to quarantine. Some of us put too much food on our plate. <laughs> but uh i'm sure it'll i'm sure it'll go just fine uh so how is uh, uh educating in in this crazy new mixed up world is that i mean the thing is i'm not doing much educating to be honest like uh the way that my class is structured is well it's a uh, it's film history with uh with hildebrand and uh it's completely asynchronous so like i'm not teaching sections or anything basically like all the students like upload discussion questions and I try and answer them and we're still figuring out how to actually make that work because this last week, you know, basically got like over 60 like disparate questions about like the studio era of Hollywood that I was just like, to be honest, I just did not know how to answer. So it was just kind of like me just saying, good question. I can't say for sure, but here's what I can kind of suggest. <laughs> and yeah, just a lot of that. Like, honestly, it was kind of a mess. Like this, tonight's actually gonna be the first time that I try and do any kind of like substantial lecture over Zoom, which, you know, I guess it's good to go ahead and do that just because I'm teaching 85C in the summer. And I guess it'll be, I probably won't, I won't be doing it like, I won't be teaching it live via Zoom, but I will be like sharing my screen and like, you know, recording videos and stuff. So this will at least be some practice for that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, obviously there'll still be, uh, there's still plans to go uh, over Zoom this summer. How is uh, Mm -hmm. fall quarter looking? Are they, do they have any idea yet? Or is that still up in the air kind of thing at the moment? Where's that? Uh, I haven't heard anything. I really don't know. I think it's like, it's too soon to say, I mean, my, I I don't know like my sense of this is that it's going to end up being probably everything online until there's a vaccine yeah which is you know the responsible move um I mean it kind of sucks just because like one you know no one well no one going to any school except for the ones who are going to an online school specifically are like really paying for online courses it's just a totally different vibe it's not the thing you're here for and like yeah and I miss you know as much as like prepping sections is always kind of a mess like yeah I'm, I miss being in the classroom I mean I, I think yeah you speak for a majority of people right about now you know it was always a uh, schlep to get to class a lot of the time a lot of time it was a major inconvenience to have to deal with you know Oh, it's 3 p.m. I guess I need to to walk to campus now for an hour and then walk right back home. You know, those things were inconvenient for sure. And that certainly expedites that process a little bit. But uh, boy, it, it was nice to, to be able to just go to places and see people and exist yeah. in the world. But yeah, yeah, seriously. And I'll say like specifically in like an educational space, like there's a kind of like energy and I hesitate to use the word excitement to be honest, but, but I kind of, but it is sort of the word I want where it's like, yeah, like there's a kind of like energy that you can feel and also try and exude that just does not translate over uh you know, over something like this where like, like there's something to be said for um, 
working a room and like yeah like when you're you know like when you're teaching you, you are you're or i got to the point i don't think i actually did this when uh when i was your ta but yeah like you know when you get up and move around the room and figure out places to kind of situate yourself in order to facilitate conversation i guess i don't know and yeah i miss doing that i can like you know like moving from out behind the podium and like finding uh like one of those like little desks to sit at and like moving from group to group and like i would always find like a spare table and like sit on that and like i would just kind of like you know move back and forward through the uh through the classroom kind of like being a presence in like more than one space in the classroom and like using that as a attempt to be like hey like you know my laptop's on one side you are on the other side of this class. I'm going to come to you and like directly address you without all of the space in that way. Like I'm going to make you be more involved through the sheer, you know, force of just like me being more present in front of you. And I think it's, um, and so it's like, it's interesting teaching for, uh, or Tiang for uh, Hildebrand again, because he's like, yeah, because this will be, he's the only professor I've TA'd for more than once. And he is actually a really entertaining lecturer and oh, he's great yeah had, like he's, he's he's been on my other show before i've had him as a guest on half fast five yeah oh really yeah oh, how, how was that uh it was uh daunting because he's a, <laughs> uh, he's a fascinating guy and a and a an excellent educator and wonderful personality but uh, boy is he an intellectual so you have to you have to really keep mm -hmm. up when you're in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, situation with him so it was definitely a test at my interviewing skills and my <laughs> listening skills for sure but is it was that, it was it was great is that is that is that available as a podcast somewhere i'm so glad you asked justin <laughs> uh, uh, you along with all our other listeners can head to apple podcasts at kuci colon half past five to to check that out It'll be on Spotify one of these days, but as of right now, it's Apple Podcasts, and probably, I feel like when you upload a podcast, if you just Google the name of that podcast, it somehow ends up on, like, 16 different platforms. Like, yeah. that's always a thing, so you, it's probably on, like, Stitcher or something, too. I don't know. <laughs> Crackle. Uh, uh, now that we're indoors so much and doing our own things, we're consuming a lot of media. We're yep. watching a lot of movies, watching a lot of TV, playing a lot of video games, whatnot. Uh, you've been doing any of those things in this last week you want to discuss? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've um, So the main things that have been kind of uh, on my plate, uh, I, well, I finished Doom Eternal, but I've said enough about that. It's still good. I've been replaying a bit of The Witcher 3, which, uh, you know, older game at this point, that's uh, also still quite good, and I think there's something... Only a few years, though, right? It was like eight, 17, 18 that came out? I think it was like 16, I want to say. It was like 15 or 16. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a little older than I think we all remember. But uh, yeah, you know, so like good dark fantasy game, uh, still very smart. Uh, started playing it again because um, a friend of mine had sent me the, like, there's a story that gets passed around about like a about a very old woman who goes into GameStop and mentions that she's a big fan of The Witcher 3. And then when asked like why she likes it, the, uh, her response is basically because the main character uh, is so hot. And I was just like, he is hot. I want to <laughs> play that game again. So I did. Um, so, that's, so that's been going on. But the main thing that has really been occupying my mind is uh, the other day I finally sat down and watched all of uh, Stanley Kubrick's uh, Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About the Bomb. Uh, watched that all the way through the for the first time. And let me tell you, like, so I knew how it ended and nonetheless found myself 
like just deeply upset by it. I mean, it was hilarious, and I laughed the whole way through. But like, I was upset by that movie in a way that I really wasn't anticipating. Is it the first? I I also must confess that I still have never gotten around to that either. That's just it's one of those ones that I I know I need to set aside the time for and just still haven't, uh, which is shameful to say as a film and media major. But I'm only human. Uh, <laughs> but is it because it is as um, pertinent and almost clairvoyant as I assume it is, or what exactly? Uh, is so deeply upsetting about it. Okay, so I guess just to like run through the basics of the, the plot for anyone who's listening who hasn't uh, seen it before, it's a, basically a Cold War era spoof. It's about like the threat of nuclear war. So um, there is an American general named Jack D. Ripper who essentially decides to press the big red button and initiate a nuclear strike on the Soviet Union without approval and he and he does this because basically he's been so taken by like right-wing conspiracy theories that he's just he he snaps and is like all right now's the time to nuke the soviet union so then the rest of the film is this kind of a basically it is about the effort to stop this strike because the kind of um the thing that becomes very evident is that that at a kind of like upper level like you know no one the americans and the soviets both do not want to see nuclear war happen they both understand that it means total annihilation and so basically yeah it's what if you know we needed to stop this like nuclear strike because this one general is just so taken by right-wing propaganda that he just completely you know lost it was like yes now is the time to initiate the end game basically and the reason it was so upsetting is just that like it's this wonderful it's this really wonderful takedown of I mean basically like the various ideologies that continue to initiate like the super self-destructive behavior that we see uh, perpetuated by the American government generally and especially by kind of like you know like very right-wing figures and it, it demonstrates how like conspiracy theories still hold this kind of like particular um, power in in the in, in american consciousness so so like the beginning of the film the the general jack ripper like he he seems with it up until the point a um uh, a british officer comes up like talks to him about the situation and the british officer kind of goes convincingly you, you said that you did this in response to like a soviet threat i can hear civilian radio there is no there's clearly no soviet threat we need to recall these bombers and the general just looks up and goes the commies are gonna infect our great American bodily fluids. And you just go, oh, oh, this person is, <laughs> he's there. His mind is there. And um, he's gone full Michael Flynn. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's this kind of like this grand fantasy about, you know, the evils of communism that has motivated this initial action. And then you see the little versions of that continually get in the way of any preventative measure to like call off the strike. Like there's a moment where someone needs to make a call to the president. He can't do it over this payphone because it is, he doesn't have enough change. So he has to pay for the call. He, t- yeah, he turns to this, uh, he turns to this person, uh, the soldier and says, I need you to shoot that Coca-Cola machine so you can get change from it so I can make this call. And the guy with the gun looks at it and goes, I can't do that. That's private property. And which is another ideology that is completely preventing like this, you know, immediate loss of life. And like the, the private property line was where I like yelled at the TV 
the because that that's the, like the reason that it's still relevant because like nuclear war is not something that we really think about anymore we have not like you know de-armed on mass but the thing that is still relevant is the fact that there are things that we need to do to prevent people from dying that we're not doing because we have these fantasies in our heads fantasies like private property that basically that stop us from helping people you know and it's like seeing that kind of like play out in this kind of absurd way again and again and again throughout this film was a thing that just made me go ah for the whole 90 minute runtime so it's not so much the the uh the threat of nuclear annihilation which is a not to say it's a it's a completely the thing of a bygone era, but it's more or less a not so much a pressing issue. It's the continued perseverance of things like posturing by governments, nationalism, uh, all all for the sake of the preservation of a deeply fragile system that leaves so many people screwed over as a result. Um, and also the spread of conspiracy theories, the fact that that's still just as uh, prevalent as it was then, if not actually probably way more so now. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so the, the reason that like it's so relevant is because like, if you were to launch a nuke, if you were to, you know, destroy the world, like you have to be doing that in the name of something that would not survive that war. Right. You know, you're like, you're doing it entirely for an idea. For American patriotism, there's this idea that in the fact that America will be destroyed if you launch a nuclear attack, you're doing it completely for this idea. And, and that's what, you know, even as we don't think about nuclear war anymore, that's what nuclear war reveals, is that there are these ideas that can be separated from material concerns and concerns of, like, actual life that prevent us from seeing, like, the sort of, like, basic elements of life, that prevent us from going, like, okay, no, like, this idea doesn't actually correspond to the livelihood of the people around me. And that's what's still relevant. As we consider, you know, like in the era of, uh, you know, COVID-19, like, as we consider re, um, you know, restarting the economy before we have, like, vaccine, where mm -hmm. we think about, like, okay, so, like, there's this, you know, thing, the economy that we are going to expose people to harm for. And basically just, like, going, to, like, okay, there is, you know, there, we just started this council to, like, reopen America that uh, Jared Kushner and like Ivanka Trump are on. Our you know? boy Steve Mnuchin. <laughs> <laughs> producer like... of Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what we see there is this acting out of putting an idea before people's lives. And that's what kind of happens in Dr. Strangelove. And that was why it made me very sad, even while it was making me laugh. Sorry, so that's a lot of confusing feelings about Dr. Strangelove. What have you been doing? Uh, I, I have been uh, primarily fixated on Resident Evil 3. Probably not as like eloquent or relevant of a, of a story <laughs> as that of Dr. Strangelove, but it's, uh, it's important to me. <laughs> but it, I, I'm like a lifelong diehard Resident Evil junkie. I've played pretty much all the important ones. Uh, so I like, I've skipped... Some of the uh, underwhelming spinoffs. Uh, I skipped six because, of course, I did. But by and large, like it is a franchise that's very near and dear to my heart. And I am of the minority of people that suggest that the original Resident Evil Three for the PlayStation is far superior to the original Resident Evil Two. Um, hmm. Unpopular take, and it might be more a matter of just how the two games have aged. Uh, Resident Evil Three's core mechanics, I feel, just have stood the test of time a lot better than those of two. Uh, so I was wildly eager, eager for Resident Evil 3. And while I'm not 
I would not go so far as to. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a bad game. I don't even know why I hesitated. It's not a bad game. It's a. It's a good, if not great, game. But mm-hmm. it drops the ball in so many weird places that it should not have. Like anyone with a decent sense of game design, you would think would know not to drop the ball in these certain respects. Uh, you played RE2 remake from last year, right? Uh, yes. My experience is I played the Resident Evil 2 remake. I never actually played the original Resident Evil 2 or 3. So I'm actually really curious, and I was expecting uh, the RE3 remake to do as well, critically, as RE2, and then it did not. So I really want to hear, like, the ways that it kind of dropped the ball. Yeah, so that's... You You haven't played the original RE2, but you kind of have know enough about it by way of just the internet existing, and, and like enough of that to sort of know that, like, RE2 remake is a pretty faithful remake of the original game it expands and uh and changes things in all the ways that it needs to but at the end of the day it feels like a game that was made by people that really love the original re2 and wanted to make a contemporary take on it that meets today's standards Mm. re3 doesn't feel that way it doesn't like i think it was on the castle super beast podcast which i want to plug but uh one of them mentions that uh it is a great resident evil game it's a terrible remake uh which is a very apt way to put it It, resident evil 2 remake had this great thing about it in that there's the uh mechanic of mr x who is uh, probably the most memorable part of that game in the original resident evil 2 mr x was a uh, consistent antagonist that was like supposedly meant to like chase the player throughout the game he was this big like unstoppable force who would show up at different scripted events and would be this obstacle you had to go past. you couldn't you could fight him but he wasn't like a boss that you could only fight him to slow him down your best way of evasion was by simply leaving the room. You just wanted to get away from him. He could not follow you through doors. He was scary for 1998 or yeah. 97, whatever it was, but now he's not a big deal. They then followed that up with Resident Evil 3, uh, Nemesis, which the the difference between that is that Nemesis was the same kind of concept. He was a, a big, hulking, scary, unkillable zombie man monster that would show up at different scripted events and was this huge imposing threat. The difference between Nemesis and Mr. X was that Nemesis could chase you through rooms. So like just going through a door didn't save you. He was going to be, he was going to come through that door seconds later. He could run, he could use weapons. He was just a way more formidable threat. Mm. And it, even though he still shows up at scripted encounters, he felt so much more unpredictable as a result of that. He is a, an antagonist that has aged way more gracefully than Mr. X. RE2 remake, cut to you know, 2019, met the moment by basically taking those ideas that uh, Nemesis presented and having Mr. X be a way more prominent threat who would chase you throughout the uh, Raccoon City Police Department where a majority of the game takes place. And he would, yeah, he would chase you through rooms. He was just a way more formidable hulking mass that you was terrifying he was the best part of that game so it made sense then that with nemesis uh, this antagonist who was going to chase you throughout the game who was in theory way more intimidating and way more powerful than mr x would be the game's massive mechanic the game's massive mm-hmm. gimmick yeah. uh, and he's not it's really he shows up he shows up throughout the game he is a persistent stalker character the difference is all of his events are all scripted arrivals 
and they're generally what's the term i'm looking for um he's not like mr x where he's like an ai with autonomy that that wanders around and you need to serpentine he shows up almost exclusively in equivalents to quick time moments or running down a hallway as he comes after you you just say heavily scripted events then like yeah scripted to the scripted to the extent where you do not have full control of your character as you're fighting him Exactly. It is pretty much exclusively scripted events. Check a few admittedly great boss fights mm-hmm. and one encounter in the beginning of the game that lasts about 20 minutes where he is a Mr. X type. Uh, wow. And it's the best part of the game. It is the best part of the game, those 20 minutes by far and away. You you just can't help but think like, why isn't this the whole game or at least way more of it? Like this is working. That's That's immensely strange that they would go that route. I mean... Especially given the it almost like the way that you're kind of narrativizing this, it just kind of seems like twenty years on, like the design of like two and three is just completely switched. It is exactly. It is a the character is a significant downgrade, and it feels so weird because when you compare two and three from the '90s on the PlayStation, Nemesis is a completely superior uh, antagonist to Mr. X. Mr. X is nothing, and now the tables have completely turned. Mr. X, uh, Nemesis is a watered down Mr. X. And it's such a strange ball drop that that should not have been the case. And there are so many ways in which the game works. You still have wonderful set pieces, fantastic pacing. The game is a lot shorter, which has been mm-hmm. probably the biggest gripe I've heard people have about the game, which makes sense. But what the game sacrifices in length that RE2 had, it makes up so much for in moment-to-moment spectacle because it's a much more action-oriented game than RE2, which is way more horror-oriented. Yeah. Um, so the game moves at a breakneck pace. Every second, there's something exciting happening. So you have that. You have the best written Resident Evil by far, which has never been the series' strong suit. Wow. Um, <laughs> hey, what is this? There's a page missing. Yeah, I thought about that too. Perhaps that was the most important part. I can't believe it. Are you okay? Yeah, so much for him. We got to the root of the problem. What is it? It's a weapon. It's really powerful, especially against living things. It's, it's like notoriously not been the series strong suit, but actually like very charming dialogue, fantastic performances from the lead actors. It's weird to play a Resident Evil game with not just competent voice acting, but like great voice acting. Yeah, um, wow. That's, I mean, like the, the bar was essentially on the ground for all of that. And like, you know, in terms of like past Resident Evils, that's actually really interesting. Yeah. In so many respects, this is an incredible Resident Evil game. And, and it, I still like can't recommend it enough. That's the weirdest thing is I and virtually everyone else I know who has played this game can really only complain because it is such a downgrade from RE2, despite the fact that it should have been a really obvious upgrade. There's just a few things you needed to tweak to make it 10 times better. And it, and it just isn't. Um, so I think it's, it's frustrating that you see all the missed opportunities in it. Things like a cut content too. There are so many set pieces from the original game that were pivotal moments in the original RE3 that are just gone now. Including one where it's like a, um, I don't think I can say uh, blue bees you. You can fill in what B stands for. Um, but it uh, presents you with this. Mo- so one of the best moments of the original RE3 is the clock tower, which is like one of the final climactic moments of the game. Uh, 
and this version you have a boss fight right outside the clock tower there's a lot of characters hyping up the clock tower you find like notes talking about the clock tower and you see the clock tower and like in all its 4k glory in the beautiful re engine you're like oh i'm gonna go into the clock tower and then you don't go into the clock tower <laughs> you ju- they just walk away from the clock tower and you're like what but what it was like some weird Ryan Johnson expectation <laughs> subversion. I, I don't know why they did it. It was just, it was just like to be mean to the player, kind of. The, I guess from the so writers of Game of Thrones, uh, yeah. season eight, Resident Evil three. Yeah, exactly. So it is, it is weird because I have played it twice now. I'll probably play it two or three more times in the next week or two. Um, I love it, but I also hate it, and it makes me mad. But I love it. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's interesting that what you're describing, I mean, now that they've, like, formally announced, I think they're going to be uh, making a remake of Resident Evil 4. Oh, boy, you talk about mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll get into that in a second, but yeah. <laughs> like, the way you're describing the Resident Evil 3 remake, it just, it sounds, whereas Resident Evil 2 is very much, like, the ethos of, like, 19, of, like, late 90s, like, video game horror done for 2019. Like, this very much sounds like, it sounds like a late period Resident Evil game, what you're describing, like the sort of like the emphasis on set pieces and and like the quick time events and all of that. Like it very much sounds like a post four game. It, it is. It is way more four through six than it is one through three. Hmm. And that's okay. Like that's four is one of the best games ever made. And five is pretty good too. Five is, is a solid game. We don't talk about six, but four and five, <laughs> you know, the, the, those, those have it where it counts. And so, and so that was one of the things that like, even with this game, I was going like, oh, they're, they're going to remake RE4 next. Yeah, I could just tell. I was like, this, that's where they're going with this. They want to do RE4 again. Because there's even like an enemy type in the game that wasn't in the original, which is parasite infected zombies that have like big uh, bulbous growths coming out of their heads with large tentacles with like uh, spears on the end of them, which is an exact enemy type from RE4. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they're using those. Okay, it's yep. RE4. Yeah. That's, which, uh, wow. It's, and it's just weird because RE4 is a still near perfect game is still like, that is a game that holds up remarkably. There's a reason they've ported it to every console ever. You can get RE4 for iPhone. Like it is a, it is a perfect game that doesn't really need to be touched. And it's like, why not go back to code Veronica or Resident Evil zero games with really cool ideas, uh, that slightly missed their mark. games like Resident Evil outbreak. Uh, great conceptual games that are ultimately kind of failures in what they sought to do. Why not try that again? Yeah, uh, and I mean, unfortunately, there's an easy answer. If you sell a Resident Evil 4 with bright, shiny graphics, you will make hundreds of millions of dollars. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been so good to you, Capcom. Why Why? why won't you? I'm, I'll still buy RE4 because I'm a... I'm a complete sucker and a buffoon but uh why so will i probably yeah (laughs) um other than that i it's weird because i still would give this game like a solid 8.7 out of 10 i loved it i had i had a wonderful time but it was also so frustrating in so many ways i can't recommend it enough (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean honestly like your your comments about just like the quality of like the voice acting alone have got me like genuinely curious and um and and also i'm just kind of curious to see like what will i what will i a person who has not played the original resident evil 3 
think about this thing. Probably you'll like it. It's 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 a good game. Uh, and having yeah. not had those expectations set by the original RE3 certainly helps. But yeah, if nothing else, wow, they took Jill Valentine, arguably the most boring character in Resident Evil up until this point, and made her the best character in Resident Evil now. Uh, wow. Yeah, Jill Valentine is S tier. Jill over Claire or Leon or Chris any day of the week. Um, <laughs> well, maybe not Barry, but... <laughs> <laughs> who can be who can be that a bear of a man like Mr. Burton himself? Uh, all right, man. Well, any any last words before we before we call it here? Uh, I think just uh, you know, same as last week. Stay safe, stay inside, and be healthy. Agreed. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. See you next week, everybody. Yep. Bye.